0: Welcome to the tailgate, brought to you by CampusDecanton.com. It's week five of the college football season. We are starting to find out who is for real, who is not. Oh, <laughs> uh, we were not aware that gag was coming. <laughs> <So> we, <laughs> we have our Campus Decanton cohort here. We've got Colin Decker, Matt Bruning. Brandon Hay, a surprise guest down there in the corner who uh, can no longer show his face after his near certainty (laughs) that that Iowa would lose to Maryland last night. Um, We've had a couple games there. We've had Iowa, Maryland. We've had a few others, guys. uh, Let's talk uh, some interesting stat lines and fantasy performances that we've had so far before we preview today's slate. Uh, Brendan Armstrong, a little bit of a down week, Colin, but... Uh, how are we feeling about him overall temperature check five weeks into the season i mean
1: like we talked about uh when we talk about any quarterback in the 2022 class this is kind of a weak class so he's kind of been pretty impressive so far here um You know, he's he's been a lot more impressive with his arm than I was expecting here. I mean, a lot of his uh, fantasy value, you know, we we like what he does with his legs there. You know, we always expected him to be a CFF option. I believe he was one of your targets on your uh, zero QB article here. Uh, And I mean, with good reason, he's now the QB seven on a points per game basis here. So having a fantastic year there, but um. Yeah, temperature check. NFL draft wise, he's definitely been impressive. And with the other guys falling here, um, you know, you, you brought it
0: up pre-show day two. I don't think it's crazy anymore. Yeah, late day two seems like possibly a range for him. Uh, you guys still think it, Chris? You're saying no? Day three probably, Brandon. What do you think? Is Brandon alive? Brandon, come in, Brandon. Sorry, I couldn't. I couldn't unmute
2: myself. My mouse stopped working. So, <laughs> um, but yeah, I think uh, he could be a day two player. You know, with his ability to to run, You saw that that's right around where uh, you know Kellen Mond went. You know, I think the end of the second. So, I think that's a in within the realm of possibilities for him to move up to a day two pick.
0: Either way, I think you're pretty happy if you drafted him this year, averaging almost 40 points uh, per game there for a quarterback. Uh, Dante Demas, let's talk a little bit about that Maryland game last night. Um, Chris, I'll just let you take this away since you are our resident Maryland expert. Um, Talk to me a little bit about what happened to Demas last night and that Maryland offense as a whole once he went down. All right, I don't
3: think I could speak through the uh, the bag that was over my head. So I, I was ho- I, I
0: was hoping to see you try, but uh...
3: <laughs> I was I was worried we just wouldn't get any content, which would just be better than better than nothing. I don't know what happened to Maryland last night. Um, you know, I thought that they, I really thought that they had a chance to win that game. I took the Maryland money line. I was feeling it. I was posting as many different types of terrapins, which are different than regular turtles because they usually live in brackish water. So big. Terrapin fan wasn't posting any of these non tortoises or, or that bullshit. I don't know what happened to the Terps last night, man. They looked terrible. And it all happened when Dante Demas went down. So Demas has had a extremely productive year thus far. He'd really been, I think this is his fourth year at Maryland. He'd really been a productive player for multiple years. Now he led the team last year. He was leading the team this year, him and Jarrett, one of the better one, two punches in the entire country. I really felt like from a receiving perspective to Aliyah, looked great. And then Demas went down and the offense just kind of sputtered out of control. We didn't really get anything until he had five interceptions. I I mean, Iowa just took it to them. It's like when Demas went down, the all the air went out of their tires. And that's it's a big injury, not just from uh Maryland's offense perspective, but in general for, for your CF and CTC teams. He's a he's a player that you're probably starting each week. He had 101 to one upside. It's a bad injury. I don't know what the extent is in terms of it, if we've confirmed that it's um, some sort of like ligament tear or if it's just like maybe a hyperextension and, and he's out for a couple weeks or it's an MCL tear and maybe he comes back in two or three weeks. But it's a tough injury for him too because I think he was looking to get drafted day three and I don't I don't know what it looks like for him now. Um, it's really tough. It, it's a bummer. I, I really liked him. I thought he was really productive and the whole offense is going to suffer now. So I think... I think we're going to see more of what we saw against Iowa than where we were at the beginning of the year.
0: Yeah. Talia definitely struggled there without his top option. Just a couple other notable fantasy performances. If you haven't checked your, your teams yet this morning and you were playing against any of these guys, you're probably not feeling so hot going into things. Devin Tompkins, uh, wide receiver from uh, Utah state had another nice night, nine catches, 125 yards and a touchdown. Alton McCaskill, Everybody's favorite freshman there at Houston, 77 yards and three touchdowns there. And then Tyler Algier finally had a, a fantasy performance uh, worthy of his status uh, this offseason, 218 yards, three touchdowns. Um, so that is what has happened in the past couple of days. Let's look forward here now, guys. And before we do that, uh, we always send it over to Jarek who has prepared a nice little segment on the receivers in this Ole Miss-Bama game for us.
4: When you just don't understand the numbers, it's time to dive into the classroom with a beautiful mind, Jarek Backus, and buy the numbers.
5: Thanks. Keeping in theme with today's matchup, I'll be looking at which wide receivers from Alabama and Ole Miss have the best chances for NFL success based on current production. I'll start by outlining what I value the most for gauging a receiver's transition from college to the NFL. The two metrics I put the most stock in is a player's reception yards per team pass attempt and weighted dominator rating. Reception yards per team pass attempt is pretty much as it sounds but it's a good measure of a player's production and efficiency in that offense. Weighted dominator rating is like your normal dominator rating in the sense that they both measure a receiver's share of the receiving yards and touchdowns produced, but it differs in that instead of a 50-50 weighting of the two, it weights yards at 80% and touchdowns at 20%. This emphasis on yards has been shown to be more predictive for NFL success. I take these metrics and compare them historically to what the average college player who went on to have a top 24 NFL season earned. The difference between what the player actually earned versus what the average top 24 players earned is my over-expected metrics. Players who earn a positive reception yards per team pass attempt and weighted dominator overexpected metric end up hitting a top 24 season 80% of the time in the NFL if they see day 1 or 2 draft capital. Now, who is looking like the best prospect so far? The candidates are John Mechie, Jonathan Mingo, Jojo Earl, Jamison Williams, and Dontario Drummond. My number one is Jojo Earl of Alabama. I'm starting with Jojo Earl because if he continues his current trajectory, he could be the best of the group. He's a four-star prospect in his first year, and he's currently just under the top 24 average. This is exactly what you love to see from a freshman, and there's no one on these two teams even close to his year one production so far. How he plays this year out and shows up next year will be important. My number two is John Meche of Alabama. He's also a four-star prospect who was behind some great Alabama talent his first two years. This year is supposed to be his year to step it up, so far he's underperforming. He's sitting at a negative 0.6 reception yards per team pass attempt over-expected, and a negative 0.13 weighted dominator over-expected, which aren't what we want to see from top prospects, but they're respectable. If Mechie can reclaim his top seat in the offense, I think he'll end up a solid prospect with round one or two capital. My number three is Jonathan Mingo of Ole Miss. This 4-star prospect had underwhelming years 1 and 2 in college, but he's really coming on strong this year. He's currently above the top 24 average for year 3 players, which is what I need to see from him to even be considered a decent prospect. If he holds on this year and declares, I may end up liking him more than Mechie if Mechie continues to underwhelm. My number four is Jamison Williams of Alabama, a four-star prospect who joined Alabama just this year after playing for Ohio State his first two years. He's really stepped it up and is currently the leader in reception yards per team pass attempt and weighted dominator for the entire team. He was well below the top 24 average his first two years and is sitting just below it this year. He'll need to take an even bigger step forward though if he wants to be considered a legitimate prospect. My number five is Dontario Drummond of Old Miss, a two-star prospect who's in his fifth year. He's old and hasn't broken the top 24 trend lines yet, though he's close this year. I just have trouble seeing him as a legitimate NFL prospect given his age, pedigree, and lack of production until year five. Slade Bolden is someone who got some hype coming into the year, but he's a year four player who hasn't been good. I'll pass. Keep in mind, these rankings don't include freshman players who haven't produced anything yet. In the grand scheme of things, a player like Hall would be above Mingo and probably even Mechie for me. So, to recap, the wide receivers I see as having the best chance at NFL success based on production from these two teams, in order, are Jojo Earl, John Mechie, Jonathan Mingo, Jameson Williams, and Ontario Drummond. Now back to you
4: can we uh if we get a bag for Colin can we draw like little like Penn State little what a, what a, Nittany lions right like a little lion thing over like the the holes there so he's just like got a paper bag line on his head next week you I can just make it happen.
0: look like the mascot head It's pretty close no, to the paper that's,
4: bag. yeah yeah I mean they've been that bad for that long
0: yeah <laughs> you totally know you you would think looking at Colin that he's really artistic Uh, but he actually is not. So I don't think we're going to count on him to draw that line. I mean, he doesn't look like an athlete, so I thought maybe. (laughs) What did Colin do well? All right. Bye, guys. (laughs) All right. and That was the last (laughs) time Colin ever came on the show. Uh, What a bummer.
4: (laughs) Just kidding, Colin.
0: (laughs) Um, And I I just so I I did look it up quick. You guys were asking about Dark Hunter from last week. He had 68 total yards, uh, no touchdowns. He had two catches. So if you're playing PPR, he got you eight points. Mm, Um, not good enough no i'll
4: probably lose some
3: to be honest
0: i was right on zay flowers until that game went into overtime so (laughs) let's not pretend Oh, overtime
3: points don't count towards our total
0: you got (laughs) lucky and you know it you're the iowa of this show
3: (laughs) it's not hey it's not lucky if you're good
0: oh okay i like that we've switched up our our, uh (laughs) our talk on that all right guys Let's predict some games for today. We have six games this week we're predicting just because this slate is so good. There's so many games, um, you know, top 25 matchups, just, you know, rivalries, all sorts of good ones. Let's start with this Arkansas-Georgia game, 12 p.m. kickoff here. A lovely way to start the day. I'm taking Georgia. I think this game is really close, and I actually was really tempted to take Arkansas again and it's even more tempting now that they're saying that JT Daniels is a game time decision. Uh, but I think Georgia just suffocates that offense. I They might not even score 10. I honestly don't know. Um, so so Georgia for me.
4: This is where you talk, Colin.
1: Yeah, sorry. I was still muted here. Um, I was also looking at the show sheet, which is not in the right order. But um, yeah, I'm also going with Georgia here in this one. Um, I am with Austin. I, I think even... I think JT Daniels does play, but either way, I think that defense is just going to be too much for Arkansas. I mean, I thought the same thing last week with texas a and m A&M. I'm still going to go back to the well and think that they're going to shut down this offense here. Give me Georgia.
4: Yeah, I am taking Georgia as well. It's just the defense, uh, whether JT Daniels plays or not. I think the defense is going to be able. I mean, they were able to shut down Clemson, which clearly doesn't look like they're quite the offense we thought they were going to be. But I think Arkansas is still a step below that. Uh, and and with especially with KJ Jefferson being hurt, had he been fully healthy, I might have taken the upset here. But with Jefferson being hurt and and Burks as well still dealing with a little bit of an injury, I just I don't I I don't see Arkansas being able to pull off the upset.
3: Yeah, I I agree with with that. I think this game goes under. I don't think either team's going to get a lot of points on. Both, both these defensive defenses have just been so solid this year. Um Georgia's just the better team. Georgia is probably the best team in the best team in the country outside of Alabama right now. I mean, they're just playing good football on both the offense and the defensive side of the ball since they're showing at Clemson this week. I I think there's a better chance they cover than they don't. Actually, I just I'm not really convinced it's game is going to be that close i think they're just uh, in a different class in arkansas but give me the dogs this week
2: yeah i'll uh, also take the bulldogs uh i think it might be close but just with georgia being home you know that game last week arkansas was home so georgia being home they'll uh, be able to pull this one out
0: yeah good point there uh brandon cincinnati notre dame Another big one here probably decides the fate of at least one of these teams and possibly two as it relates to uh, their playoff uh, position at the end of the year. Oh, man. I went back and forth on this one. Give me Cincy. Give me Cincy. That Notre Dame, I think we, in the eyes of the public, Notre Dame has been elevated a little bit off that performance, that win last week when it was not the win that that scoreline says. I, I still think Sincy's a little bit of the better team there.
1: Yeah, uh, I've had this game circled for a while, and I know Cincinnati has as well. Um, I, I like Cincinnati this year a lot, uh, and this was their most important game. They also are coming off of a bye this week. Uh, last week, you know, they're 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 geared up for this one. They, they get to face their former defensive coordinator and Marcus Freeman. Uh, they're going to kind of know how to scheme around that. I think that since he since he gets this one here and this one, and you know, then they run the table to the playoffs. Let's go.
4: Yeah, I've, I've been saying since the beginning, I thought Cincinnati made it this year. Notre Dame, while I agree I agree with what Austin said, that, that final score was not how the game really played out. They got a lot of special team stuff in that one, some defensive help, which I don't think happens in this one. But Ritter is going to have to play like second half Ritter played last week. If he comes out and plays like he did in that first half, Notre Dame could jump up on them quick, and that could cause some issues. But overall, I'm going to trust in Ritter Uh, to get this game done. I I do think Cincinnati's got a good defense. I do think it's going to be close. Cincinnati's not going to blow them out. But if they really want to make that run for the playoffs, they've been saying it all morning. If you were watching any of the other shows before you jumped on with us, they've been talking about this being almost their Super Bowl. Ritter's out there saying he's going to quiet the crowd quickly. I'm all in for it. I hope they can pull it off because I'd love to see them take Notre Dame down.
3: So I, in my heart, want Cincinnati to win. I really do. But I don't think they can do it this week. And there's one reason why, and it's Marcus Freeman. Prior to coming over to Notre Dame, he was at Cincinnati. He knows how to stop Desmond Ritter. He knows how Desmond Ritter plays. He knows the faults in Desmond Ritter game. Desmond Ritter does not always play clean. And if anyone knows how to stop him, I think it's Marcus Freeman. This game is going to be close. It's going to be a slugfest. I'm not sure that Ritter can pull it out. I think Freeman knows how to game plan him. And I think Notre Dame ends up winning, even though I'm not convinced that Notre Dame is the better team. I think they know how to shut down the Cincinnati offense, and both defenses are going to thrive this week.
2: Yeah, I'm also taking uh, Notre Dame. We saw Cincinnati kind of struggle against Indiana for a half, and Ritter didn't look great. So um, I kind of see possibly some of the same um, in this one, and it just seems like Notre Dame kind of – this year is finding ways to win, and I think they will eventually get a loss, but I don't think that'll be today.
0: Next game up here, Oklahoma at Kansas State. Matt, I'm sorry. I'm actually – Skylar Thompson is playing today. I saw that this morning. I'm taking Ooh. Kansas State. I'm taking Kansas State. I know. This is literally – I decided this about 30 minutes ago. Um, so so don't hate me that the graphic there is 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 not –
4: what the graphic says is what gets counted on the picks wins column. Unless Kansas State um, wins today, in which case I will give you the loss, anyways. So,
0: <laughs> so I lose no matter what. Great. Yeah,
4: pretty much. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, uh, I agree with Austin. My name is Colin.
3: <laughs> um, <laughs> I thought Austin was going to go me.
1: into more uh, extensive talk than that. Here, um, I'm going to go with Oklahoma here, even if uh, even with Skylar Thompson playing. I think Oklahoma has not looked good so far to start this year. Uh, everybody's talking about it. I think this is the game where they you know, wake up a little bit here. Everybody's talking about how they could lose this one. I think Rattler has a nice game. He's going to bounce back. Uh, give me Oklahoma.
4: I am taking Oklahoma as well. Hopefully last week was a little bit of a wake-up call for Rattler and this offense. I do think it's going to be a close game, but I'm taking Rattler and, and Oklahoma to pull off the win.
3: I, I think Oklahoma wins as well. Uh, I did not know Skylar Thompson was playing, so that that to me means that you have to take Kansas State to cover. But I think Oklahoma pulls it out. At some point, they're going to get back on track. And whether that's Caleb Williams coming in, who knows? I think Boomer Sooner this
6: week.
2: Yeah, I'm going with Oklahoma, but it seems like we've said a few times when you know, they've had their wake-up call. So I'm just wondering when the actual wake-up call is for Oklahoma.
0: Baylor at Oklahoma State. We're very interested in Oklahoma, the state of this week. Um, I'm taking Baylor. They looked really good last week against Iowa uh, State. Oklahoma State, pretty good team. Uh, But I I think Baylor uh, pulls this one out.
1: Uh, I'm going to go the other way here. I'm going to go with Oklahoma State. Uh, Baylor just won probably the biggest game of the year. Uh, I think this could be a big letdown spot. Uh, Oklahoma State has also looked really good so far this year here. Uh, They had an impressive win last week over Kansas State. So give me Oklahoma State here.
4: Everybody said there was an emotional win for BYU earlier this year for Utah, and then they came out and smashed Arizona State. I think Baylor can do the same thing. I love this offense. I'm going with Baylor also because Austin picked Baylor. So go Baylor Bears.
0: I have to play all these games to get away from from Matt just (laughs) following me around.
3: Yeah, I I think this is going to be a really interesting game. I'm actually really excited for this game because I think that we're going to have a lot of interesting plays this week, I think Baylor pulls it out. I, I think that it's going to be close. I think Oklahoma State is the better team all around. I really like where this Baylor offense is going, though. I think that they have a lot of potential, and I think that they can they can sneak one out this week against the uh, the Cowboys.
2: Yeah, I'm going to go with uh, Oklahoma State. They had an impressive victory last week against Kansas State, so I'll go with
0: them. All right, Auburn at LSU here. Uh, late night kickoff. Um, should be a really. I think it's gonna be a really good game. I, I'm gonna take Auburn, though. I think they they uh, have just enough to beat LSU.
1: I, I'm gonna go with LSU here in this one. Uh, or you know, Auburn pulled Bo Nix last game at, at the end of last week. Um, you know, they had to go with TJ Finley there. I, Bo Nix has not looked good. I think uh, LSU is just the better team.
4: TJ Finley revenge game, right? I'm not rethinking that, uh, but I'm still taking LSU. Max Johnson, this offense. Keyshawn Boutte is going to go crazy today. All aboard, uh, go Tigers! Right? That's how. That's what he says.
3: Uh, I'm on the Tigers too this week. I think that they're just going to. I don't think this game's going to be as close to the spread in cage, which is like three and a half. I think Tigers going to take this one fairly easily.
2: I'm going with Auburn. I think they, you know, just ride that good running game and hopefully uh, pull out a win.
0: Last game here, guys. We've talked about it across all of our shows, all of our content this week. I literally just want you to give me one word who wins. Alabama.
1: Alabama.
4: Bama. Now that Mingo's out, sorry. I had to say it. Roll Tide, y'all.
2: Bama.
0: All righty, guys. That is going to do it here for our first hour of the tailgates. We're about to welcome in Alfred and Will. They're going to stick around with Chris, give you all of the DFS information, last-minute injury news, um, a little bit of uh, betting advice for the week as well. Guys, thanks for joining us here. Good luck to everybody today. Uh, Week five here of college football uh, gets rolling. All right, guys, enjoy uh, the rest of the show. It's Coast to Coast presented by campusdecanton.com. We have a jam-packed show here for you guys tonight. Uh, Big week five in college football uh, and in college fantasy action. Uh, But before we kick off the show here, guys, I need you to do two things for me. Go ahead, subscribe here to the YouTube channel, turn on your notifications so that you can know every time we go live uh, following the action for the day. And then jump in the chat here, tell us what you thought of today's games, Um, Let's get right into this guys as always we are going to start off with the rundown biggest game of the day most anticipated probably that Ole Miss Alabama game and it really it, it disappointed a little bit you know with an, with a uh, an over under of around 80 points there we thought this could be a real high scoring close game but it was a typical Alabama win there 42-21 at the end of the day uh, biggest news story from the day probably Brian Robinson uh, running back from Alabama carried them uh, 36 carries 171 yards four touchdowns uh just it, it was that kind of day for bama they got ahead early and were able to grind out the rest of the game bryce young um, a, a modest day statistically 21 for 27 for 241 yards two touchdowns and interception the kid just had he's like a monk back there man he is zen in the pocket nothing bothers him he's just calm cool and collected and and to be honest with how he, they're playing right now i kind of doubt that they really lose a game Uh, Receiving distribution there was extremely even on the day. Jamison Williams, five catches, 65 yards. Uh, Slade Bolden, four for 58. Jaleel Billingsley, four for 47. John Mechie had a touchdown, 35 yards as well. Um, the running backs were were very very similar uh, after Robinson. There, everyone got four or five carries and about thirty yards. Um, so so an even split there for most of that. Starting to worry about how much some of these guys are playable on a week to week basis, but maybe that's something to talk about here a little bit later for Ole Miss. Matt Corral was fine. He was not, you know, fantasy quarterback number one as he has been here over the first uh, few weeks of the season. Twenty-one for twenty-nine, two hundred and thirteen yards and a touchdown. Um, Alabama was smart. They they limited the RPO game. They forced the receivers to win on the boundary. Uh, and, and with no Jonathan Mingo today, Ole Miss just could not do that consistently. No big days, uh, consequently, at wide receiver for them. Don'tario Drummond four for 43 uh, uh braylon sanders two for 32 um uh, the running game uh, not particularly explosive so if it, 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 bama got out early and then just coasted in and it's looking like uh they might not really see another challenge there until the sec championship game uh arkansas georgia brandon let's bring you in here uh, thanks for hopping on here with us tonight um take it away here on this one
2: yeah, I think this would be a defensive um, game, and with uh, JT play with Stetson Bennett in, you thought that might even the playing field a little bit, but it did not at all. Georgia um, found it pretty easy on the first drive, just running the ball, and um, Stetson Bennett only had to complete seven passes. And they just shut down Arkansas tried to do. Uh, KJ Jefferson was eight of for 65 yards. Traylon Burks only had three catches for 10 yards. Um, Arkansas as a team only had 75 yards rushing. And Georgia really split the run. Um, Cook had 82 yards. And then um Zamir Wall had 68 yards and a couple of TDs. And Kendall Milton had 48 yards. Um, there was a block punt by Georgia um, when they were already up a couple of touchdowns, and that kind of seemed to really put the game away. Even though that was very early, you know, and I believe the half, and Arkansas just could never get anything going. Um, you know, I, I could see Traylon getting frustrated because Jefferson's passes just seemed off, and um, they just could never get anything going against Georgia. So, um, you know, Georgia just looks on a collision with Alabama.
0: Jefferson actually uh, benched at the end of that game uh, or, or subbed out. I don't know how you want to phrase it there from Lee Hornsby, who really did not fare any better. Brandon, uh, thanks for checking in here. We will talk to you here a little bit later. Uh, Texas TCU. We are joined by Mr. Kevin Coleman out there uh, from the West Coast. Kevin, um, what what went on down there in Texas today?
6: Yeah, you know, this was a good game all the way through. And uh, I think, um, you know, when you're looking at what Texas is becoming down there with Sark, I think they've had some good games. They held on against a good TCU squad. And a TCU squad, I thought offensively, that could have came out. Um, You know, I think the story, though, is uh, B. John Robinson, right? Uh, 35 attempts, 216 yards, two touchdowns. Uh, The dude's a monster. And, you know, for a lot of reasons why, you Probably, you were right, and I can't believe I said that, uh, but you should draft a Bijan over DJU this year in C2C formats. So I think with you see DJU's draft stock, what he's been able to do, hasn't been up to par. Bijan is the clear move dynasty, running back one, that's what people think. But at least in C2C formats, he's the guy you wanted. Uh, Casey Thompson had an okay game, 142 yards and a touchdown, Uh, you know, he did okay, he did enough, he was game manager there. Jordan Whittington actually had three receptions for 79 yards and a touchdown, Worthy had a bunch of drops, uh, and not looking great after some people like Travis May were calling him wide receiver one for freshman class, Uh, you know, a lot of drops, a lot of stuff out there, he wasn't necessarily that guy, Uh, but on the other side, you know, Max Duggan had an okay game, 20 for 28, 182 yards and a touchdown. Uh, for what you saw from him. But uh, to me, the big story is Zach Evans. You know, he, he looked great out there today. He had 15 attempts, 113 yards, a touchdown. The volume, if they just give him more volume, I really think that he would have a better year. And he's really good. Like, to me, he was always my running back three of this class. And I, I, to me, he's still in that category. Uh, and then, you know, one nervy thing that we have to talk about is Quentin Johnson got injured, uh, wide receiver. He didn't have the greatest game. It looked like he came off on his own weight. And when I looked it up, I couldn't find anything that was too bad. But he got injured there. So, you know, obviously, TC, TC loses to go back to 2-2. Two and two. Texas, big showdown with Oklahoma next week. We'll see what they can do.
0: Yeah, it should be another interesting game there for Texas next week. We will check back in with you here in a few minutes. Thanks, Kevin. Mr. Bruning, how are we doing tonight? Wonderful. How about yourself? It's what we like to hear. Uh, Oklahoma, we just mentioned, they have Texas next week. Yep. Did they get caught looking ahead?
4: Uh, it looked like it at first. I mean, Kansas State kept this really close, as you mentioned. These two seem to play each other really good the past couple years uh, and thought Kansas State might be able to pull it off. We were not sure if Skylar Thompson was going to play in this game. He did and ended up having a pretty good game. 29 for 41, 320 yards and three touchdowns. Of course, the story really, in my opinion, for Kansas State was Deuce Vaughn, who went off in this game. 51 rushing yards and 104 receiving yards. Did get a touchdown on the receiving side. He was really good, and I think kind of attacked this Oklahoma defense a little bit better than I thought they were. We, we talked a lot about I'm almost positive on tailgate today we said to sit Deuce Vaughn because we didn't think he'd be able to get going against this Texas defense, and he ended up having—or, I'm sorry, the Oklahoma defense. He ended up having a good game. Spencer Rattler looked okay. Like, he hasn't really blown us away. I, I don't want to say he looked bad because he had a good game. 243 yards, did have two touchdowns, And so just an— um, a pick again, which you don't want to see. Uh, we're, We're waiting for him to step it up and maybe we should just start to realize that maybe this is this is what Spencer Rattler is. He's not going to take it to that next level we expect. Kennedy Brooks had a good day today, 91 yards and a touchdown. I did not see a lot of Eric Gray, and I heard he got injured maybe, so I don't know. I did not see exactly what happened with that and what the, the status on his injury is right now. It's obviously not great for a guy we were expecting big things out of. Uh, and then on the receiving side, it really came down to Marvin Mims and – that was supposed to be Mike Woods, who went three for 33 in a touchdown. But Brooks works, too. I think that's what he goes. That's his middle name, Mike Brooks Woods. So there we go, guys. So, But uh, Woods ends up having uh gets a touchdown here. Marvin Mims, pretty good day, uh, game. Uh, Felix's boy not looking so good, Mr. Super Mario, and getting that uh, that uh, bet you guys have going right now. He's uh, not looking good in his favor.
0: Yeah, um, a tough offensive performance there, kind of all around. Uh, Skylar Thompson, just as a note, did play today. They kind of kept yep. that very secretive there for Kansas State. He ended up um, really almost making the difference. Um, yeah. So, you know, a big day there for him. Uh, Cincinnati-Notre Dame, the other kind of marquee matchup here on the day. Uh, a good game, too, as you, as you talked a little bit yeah. about before we came on here.
4: Yeah, it was, a, it was a really good game. I was really tuned into this one. I feel like been. Dobbin- Shoot, you know, supporting the, uh, Desmond Ritter for Heisman and, and for a really good draft, uh, player in this year's draft is really kind of driving that hype train it seems like Uh, he ended up having a good game overall he hit his over which I'm very happy about won me a lot of money today because it did not look good uh, for a while in this first half he had like about 100 yards or no 74 yards passing almost at halftime really kind of turned it on in the second half you're going for 297 and two no interceptions and the biggest thing for him is he, he made some very Bad decisions in this game, but in the end of the third quarter and the fourth quarter, when he needed to make plays for Cincinnati, he made them. Had a lot of really good throws, had that touchdown run as well. He looked really good and poised, kind of like he did last week as well against Indiana. When it really mattered, he stepped up and made the big plays, and I do think that matters. Uh, Jerome Ford here uh, didn't have a massive day; just sixty-seven yards on the ground. But we kind of expected that with with the Notre Dame kind of going in and and slowing him down. Uh, they had their wide receiver Alec uh, go off for a pretty big game, one hundred forty-nine yards. He seems to be Desmond. Go to guy on Notre Dame side here. We saw Cohen get benched uh, after going for 114 yards in an interception. Drew Pine comes in again, and I think looked really good. I honestly think if they started Pine, they might have won this game. That offense for, for Notre Dame was stalling out a lot earlier in the game. They threw it. He threw a, an interception. There was a fumble as well. I think if Pine started, this might have been a better game for, for Notre Dame, and I'm curious to see what that means going forward then because Buchner did not look good in this one. He threw an interception as well. Uh, I, I'm not sure that he'll start if they keep Pine. Notre Dame might actually have a pretty interesting offense moving forward. Kyron Williams stuffed on the ground again just 45 yards did get a touchdown. Uh, just hasn't really looked like the same player we saw last year. A lot of that is getting blamed on his offensive line. I can see that, but I do think some of it's on him as well. And then Michael Mayer, the next Kyle Pitts, according to Felix Sharp, goes out and has a pretty decent day here as well. 45 yards and a touchdown. Uh, so, how dare you, Kevin? Sorry, didn't mean to read that. Uh, but, I, I'm, you know, great game for, for Desmond Ritter here and Cincinnati.
0: Yeah, it was definitely, a, uh, the, the turnovers ended up making the difference there. A couple of tur- a couple of interceptions. They fumbled a uh, kickoff return as well. Um, so, so not great there. Uh, last game here that we have to talk about. Thank you, Matt. We will have you back on here momentarily. Florida, Kentucky, big upset alert here, guys. It happened. Kentucky, uh, beat Florida, th- uh, 20 to 13. Um, not trying to throw me off there. Um, Chris Rodriguez led the way for Kentucky, uh, 99 yards and a score wandale robinson had a solid day as well uh four catches 65 yards a touchdown he scored in the first quarter on that first drive caught a screen took about 41 yards to the house um was quiet after that but so was the rest of the offense you know will levis today only seven for 17 passing 87 yards one touchdown one interception uh i mean uh, neither team moved the ball efficiently kentucky scored in a blocked field goal It just was not what you would call a dynamic offensive performance there for Kentucky, but they didn't need it. On the other side, Florida. Um, You know, Emery Jones did not start this season very well, and I still, you know, the, the first round pick joke is still funny because it's not true. But he has played decently the past couple weeks. Today, he went 23 for 31, 203 yards, one touchdown, one interception. Uh, picked up uh, about 60 yards on the ground as well. He that, he looks in control of this offense. You know They did not lose because of Emory Jones today. There just wasn't a lot of other help uh, around him there. And that ultimately was kind of their downfall. Anthony Richardson sighting. We did see him play a little bit today. Uh, only rushed for 25 yards, though. It was definitely not a, a very large role there for him. Still coming back from that hammy. Um, And then other offensive contributions, you know, Damian Pierce had about 60 yards. Jacob Copeland had a couple catches about 60 yards. Uh, Same for Justin Shorter, Uh, but no real big performances there. So Florida Falls and Kentucky, uh, I believe they had lost something like 23 of their last 24 matchups there against Florida. So congratulations to them uh, winning a big game at home there. All right, guys, let's dive into the headlines here. We're going to bring everybody back onto the screen. Hello. Look at all these smiling faces in one place. What's going this. on? Oh. Man, my favorite, my favorite 10 minutes of the week right here. It's all downhill until <laughs> until we get back to this. So. Yeah. <laughs> Sad times. Um, <laughs> all right, guys. Let's talk <laughs> headlines here outside of, of those rundown games we just talked about. Drake London had himself another a big day today. I mean, at, at this point, uh, the highlights were circulating all over Twitter. Um, he is just the go to target there. Nine catches, 130 yards, a touchdown. Is it time to start considering him, if not the top guy in this class, you know, a top two or three guy?
4: Yeah, Brandon. He's
0: okay. Matt, oh, I'm going
4: first. No, no, I'm (laughs) going. Yeah, I'm going first because I've had him up there in my rankings, and I was the only one who had him up in the top 10. I remember we had a Shaq. I don't know if he's still in the comments. He watched our uh wide receiver ranking summit. We talked about that because he was still very big on London it does seem like the NFL is moving away from these contested catcher types. And that does seem to be what London is, but I've, I've stated all along. I think he's got more athleticism than that. I don't think that's all he is. He's not a bad route runner. I think, I don't know that I'm putting him up there. I I mentioned, I was talking with Kane uh, earlier today and Kane posted that, that he thought he could fight for one of those top wide receiver spots. And the more I thought about it, I'm like, Outside of Traylon Burks, though, who really blows him away? Like, I love Garrett Wilson. I would probably take Garrett Wilson over London, but I don't think it's crazy to say that he could end up being a first-round pick. We've seen wide receivers who, in my opinion, are worse off than him in the skill set position that have been drafted in the first round, and I don't think that this wide receiver class is, like, completely – Leaps and bounds ahead of him with the top guys in this class and Garrett Wilson, Olave, Burks, and I know I'm forgetting David Bell, who everybody hates now. So I, I don't think it's crazy to think that he should be discussed up there in that discussion and and, and be a first-round pick.
0: Yeah, I mean, uh, Brandon, you you wanted, you wanted chimed in right away. What do you think about Drake London?
2: My, my opinion on him has gotten a lot better this year. They seem to be, you know, because – Last year, he played a lot in the slot, and they kind of schemed him to get open, you know, against zone coverage. But it seems like they're putting him a little more all over the place and showing more abilities in that way. And you can't deny the receptions he's having and, you know, the the big yard gains and the the touchdowns. As Matt was saying, you know, the NFL is kind of going away from those contested catchers. But, you know, there's always a need for wide receivers that, you know, go in the field. And like I said, uh, you know, the other guys – might not necessarily test as well and they're not really, you know, blowing him away, you know, production wise this year. So I definitely think he has to be considered in, you know, those top few uh, spots for wide receivers coming out
6: right now. Yeah, so I'm out on this. Uh, I'm not a big Drake London guy, as uh, you probably will notice. I'd rather have Rondale Robinson, probably, in today's NFL, like in terms of just what they're going to draft. Like, I don't know. I think London just carries a lot of risks. Like, it could be Nikhil Harry, right? Or Mike Evans. Like, I, I realize it could be both, but I think the ceiling and the floor are just so far apart from these guys um that i think he's okay like i think he's all right i know kane likes him i I pretty much hate everybody that kane likes we're definitely a lot different so like um to me like i i I don't know i don't know what he's gonna be at the next level uh i do think he's athletic though he played basketball i know he's a basketball kid at usc i i know that but um i I don't know like Rondale, Zay flowers like those are the guys the nfl likes now like no to me even like jameson williams is intriguing just because of that speed like london has He's okay. Like nothing really pops for me in terms of that. Now, as far as who I'd rather want between David Bell and Drake London, I'd probably want London. So that's kind of where I'm at in that one.
0: Drake London is an archetype of player that I am completely fine missing on if it happens. Yeah. They're just, you know, we cannot bat a thousand at at this game. Anybody that that says they do is a liar. Uh, We we don't do that. He's that archetype just. too much risk there, I think, as someone just said. It might have been Kevin there. It might have been Brandon. I don't remember. The the risk is just is astronomical. I will say that some of the things that I at least wanted to see out of him this year, you know, last year, uh, in terms of slot snaps, it was almost 100%. I'm looking at his game logs from last year, you know, uh, 62 for 69, 61 for 68, 33 for 46. I mean, he was in the slot almost all the time, every single game this year, it's the complete opposite. You know, this week he played 56 snaps. He was out wide for 52 of them. I think that's a good You know, We'll put that in the good column on the flip side, though. He's still not separating quite like you would want him to. He's not winning in the ways you would want. Um, and I, I think this, it, it, this production was expected. I think we all thought that he was going to be the first target on a pass. Happy USC team. That was probably going to play in a lot of you know high-scoring games. I don't think that that is surprising. So I think one of the things that we can be mindful of as this continues on is not getting caught up in, in some of the moments and the momentum that builds on these kinds of things and actually look at the performances themselves. And I just have not seen it yet. Um, I would, so. uh,
4: I'd just like to quote quote, quote my good friend, Jarek, who's very smart. He's probably smarter than all four of us put together. Hashtag separation is overrated. Just throwing it out there. Jarek's wrong
6: about that.
0: Jarek also said, and I quote today that he prefers guys that are not contested catchers. So <laughs> he wants it both ways. Yeah, but, what is that? Uh, true. This guy's talking uh, out of both sides of his <laughs> mouth. I don't know. We need to get him on here sometime. Um <laughs> uh, let, let's move on to a different headline here, guys. Um Brandon broke down this Georgia game for us. They were dominant today. 37-nothing beat up on an Arkansas team that we thought was good. Is it time to consider them the number one team in the country here?
6: Uh, I'll go first on this. One. I don't think so. Not until they get a better quarterback, right? If Stetson Bennett's back there, I mean, yeah, they can do that right now. They're leaning on that running game. I think that defense is the best in the country, though. Like I understand that. Like that defensive line is stout. Uh, And I I think they come after the quarterback. But to me, Bryce Young stands above that. So if you have the better quarterback in college football, I'm always going to rank that higher, especially right now, especially because Alabama's defense is so good and they're running attack too. So I I always tend to lean with the top quarterback, but they're clearly number two. Like after them, there's no one. And I tweeted out before the Alabama game, I said the top two guys – the top two teams in this league is astronomical compared to everybody else. And it's true. Like after Oregon losing, like who else are you going to put in there? Okay. Uh, Iowa, Penn state, neither one of those teams are good. Stop talking about Iowa, Penn state. They're not good. Uh, Like once you get to a certain level, it's these two teams. That's who you have barring injuries. I cannot see either one of these teams losing until they face each other.
4: Yeah, I'm, with, I'm 100% with Kevin here. I mean, realistically, they, everybody talks about Georgia being up there because they beat Clemson. I think we've, we should have already realized by now, but if you haven't, go look at the Boston College game right now. Clemson's just not a good team right now. So what is the best win that Georgia has on their record right now? Is it the Arkansas game today? Because I would argue that Alabama beating Ole Miss today is more impressive than what Georgia did against Arkansas. Like, Alabama is still the best team, and as Kevin mentioned – this league is run by quarterbacks. I honestly would not doubt that Brandon could go down to Georgia and play better than Stetson Bennett did today. Like, they do not have a quarterback. Their defense, I think, is slightly better than Alabama's, but they're not good enough to slow down Bryce Young enough to stop them. So I, I'm with, with Kevin. I, I do think – I will say, let's calm down on the Iowa. Hey, they've got a really good defense. Their offense is horrible. They've got a good defense. It's not Georgia's level defense. It's like a step down. They're a good team. But, yeah, no, the Georgia should definitely at.
6: be – They're in the Big Ten.
4: It doesn't matter, you know. They're like the second or third conference. They're in there somewhere. (laughs) So, uh, I I think, uh, yeah, I'm with him though. It's it's Bama for me, Georgia, and then just like a massive drop off to the rest of the college landscape.
2: I I agree with them. I think they should be Georgia should be second because they haven't faced a good quarterback yet. We see that DJU has had his struggles all year. KJ Jefferson is inconsistent on in the ball, but once they stop, you know the, the run. The, there really wasn't anything going on. That defense is great, but we won't really see them, you know, go up against you know a quarterback like, like um, Bryce Young until Alabama. So they should be one two, but I don't think Georgia should jump Alabama um, as of now.
0: That Alabama score looks. You know, relatively close, 42-21. Guys, it was 28 nothing at halftime, and it didn't really look like Ole Miss was in the game. Yeah, the second half, I don't have the splits in front of me. I would assume Alabama ran the ball hmm, 70% of the time. That seemed pretty fair, 70 70, 80%. Yeah. I mean, yeah. they just ran it down their throats at that point. Iowa, I, I, Iowa has a really good defense. Then you watch Georgia. The level of physicality. I mean, they went out there, like I don't know what Arkansas did to them before the game, but they went out there and just threw them all over the field for 60 minutes. was a bit more finesse. Georgia just gets in your face, and it's it's terrifying when they're clicking. I I I, I I'm really looking forward to that SEC championship game, and maybe the national championship game. We might It'll see that matchup yeah. twice. I mean, twice. To be honest. Yeah. Yeah. So. Um, all right, let's uh, uh let's let's move on here. Uh, next headline: Bryce Young. We just talked about Alabama there a little bit. Um, he he, you know, the, there were four top quarterbacks coming to the year, Sam Howell, Spencer Rattler, DJU. Obviously, we know DJU as we've talked about, not playing particularly well this year. Spencer Rattler had an okay day. Sam Howell has been pretty good. Bryce Young, I think, has been the best of the fours. at this point, are you taking him number as your number one quarterback in Debbie or C two C formats? Uh, Brandon, we'll go to you. You haven't let off yet. Let, let's come to you. Um, yeah, I, I
2: guess I would at this point, just because all the other um, top quarterbacks in debbie wise shown some some weaknesses and not you know how strong they could be, and you know at least early on Bryce Young, it looks like he has a very high ceiling. You know with at Alabama, and who continue they'll continue to put him you know in um good opportunities where some of the other quarterbacks um like dju the scheme probably isn't helping out very much in everything like that but just the way bryce young looks and how that's often i would say yes he'll be uh, number one for me right now
0: what do you think matt
4: yeah, I, I don't think there's an argument for anybody else. I, I I don't think it's close. We talked a little bit about this last week, or maybe it's two weeks ago. I don't remember. H- in my opinion, he's in a tier of his own at the quarterback position right now. I just I don't see an argument for anybody else. You talked about how you know how smooth and and everything and calm he is in the ba- in the pocket. I think you said he's like a Zen master. I mean, you're right. He never seems to get rattled, even in that Florida game where. The defense started getting to him a little bit, and he seemed to kind of get rattled. And then, like the next drive, he comes out there, and it is like nothing mattered again. He was out there firing, throwing the ball where he needed to. So, I, I don't see how you couldn't. Outside of you know, we talked a little bit off screen, uh, or no, it was on here the Texas game. Kevin mentioned that you were right about taking Bijan up there in the top. I mean, I, I think Bryce Young is the only quarterback I would take over Bijan right now. Is I just I feel so safe about what he's going to do on the college level and what he projects forward to into the
0: NFL think we said the same thing about dju next year so that's a lesson for you people <laughs> take the running back take the running back <laughs> any anything to add there uh for you Kev? before we move on to our last headline here
6: No, I just want to point out I was ranking Bryce Young ahead of DJU even going into this year. So I just want to take that victory lap real quick on the show. Uh, Bryce Young has been all my guy since I watched him play in high school. So he has a special place in my heart. I love this kid. I think that the thing that you guys point out is good. It just seems like he's the perfect quarterback for that system too. Like he doesn't get too high or low. He just plays. And he doesn't doesn't let mistakes kind of affect him. You can see that he's flowing really well right now. And he's going to get better. And I think that's the scary part. He's only been, you know, this is really like four games in, five games in we're still looking at he's going to have that development in that offense and that system and i think once they start figuring out how to use those wide receivers a little bit more i think jojo earl's got to get on the field at some point i think they're going to get him there more involved like that's going to be scary but that running back room is is amazing too so like when you're looking at what bryce has around him i think you have to put him at one um right now and i think that's kind of i think he's the number one college football quarterback period right now
0: yeah, um, and just to – JoJo Earl played 20 snaps today. Only had one catch, though. So they, yeah. they really have not been getting him involved. Um, all right, guys, let's go into um, um, some uh, some stock, stock up, stock down here. Uh, oh, no, wait, we have one more question. Sorry about that. Can Cincinnati beat Alabama, Georgia, or Oklahoma? It seems like at this point, guys, they're probably – Oh, I don't know how to phrase this without it looking at getting egg on my face here. Something bad happens. They look likely to make the playoff as long as they don't mess up. Yeah. A lot of other teams have lost at least one game already. And and with the nature of the schedule, uh, a lot are destined to lose another. Can they hang with these, with the big boys here this year, Matt, yeah. you're, you're Mr. Desmond Ritter.
4: Yeah. No. Yeah. But I also don't think that matters if we're being on – I'll say this. I don't think they can hang with Alabama and Georgia. There is a clear, massive, like, Grand Canyon gap between those two. Between those two and everybody else, and that includes Cincinnati. I don't – I think they could compete with Oklahoma. Do I think they could beat Oklahoma? I don't know. I think I would take them just because that's the what I like to do and I like to be wrong, but I, I don't know that they could actually beat Oklahoma – The one thing I will say, though, because a lot of people are getting upset about this. I was talking with some people on Twitter about this after they came back and beat Notre Dame, and it seemed like it was Notre Dame fans that were getting upset about this. I don't think that that matters whether they can hang with Alabama or Georgia because Notre Dame can't, and we've seen them go into the playoffs for like the last three years and get their asses kicked. So why does it matter if we send Cincinnati in there and let these kids go out experience a playoff game, and if they get rolled, they get rolled. It's not going to be any less embarrassing than what Notre Dame does, which is, quote-unquote, supposedly a major program that can compete with the big boys, and they haven't done it. So why can't we give a team like Cincinnati, who did just beat Notre Dame and is likely going to go undefeated, and I do think has some good wins on their schedule, a shot to go out there and prove themselves. And if they get rolled, they get rolled. But you know what? As I mentioned, Notre Dame, and you're not even— Four years ago, Ohio State got rolled by Clemson, and Ohio State's a major program. It happens. Not everybody can be Alabama and Georgia. I think if they go undefeated, they should at least get that shot.
0: What do you two think down there, Kevin? Kevin?
6: Matt's pretty passionate there. All, all I say is this. Like, he, he, Cincinnati's not touching Alabama-Georgia. Ritter would make – they would make Ritter look stupid. Uh, but Oklahoma, depending on – if they're if playing an Oklahoma team now that they're playing like that, I think it could be – I think the playoff could realistically be probably Alabama-Georgia at one and then Alabama-Georgia probably at three. Oklahoma, if they stay undefeated, would probably go to two, right? Like That's kind of how that kind of works. I'm not a big believer in Penn State or Iowa, as you can tell. So like I don't think they're in there. And then if Cincinnati slips into that four – they're going to play Alabama, and I don't think that's going to be a game. But it's it'd be nice to see. I think it'd be cool to see Cincinnati get in there. Fickle's done an amazing job, and he's a very good coach, and he should not go to USC because he would not do well there. But he should stay there. He's building something there. He looks good. And, and as, you, as you see from Scott Frost, sometimes it's not good to leave that, those type of places. Like, stay there in Cincinnati. You're building something. Um, and so I don't think they could win, but I do think that it'd be nice to see for college football to get a different team in there.
0: For I just want to throw this at you real quick, Kevin, and then Brandon, we'll will come over to you. I know you don't like Iowa very much, and that that's fine. But if they if they win out, that means they would have to beat Penn State this weekend. Um, you know, they they would beat at that point uh, Wisconsin. I, Wisconsin's down this year, uh, and they would have to beat Ohio State presumably in the Big Ten championship game. That's a pretty solid resume at that point. I think I think that they would be a top two or three team. I mean, they're already at five, but I mean it, it, that wouldn't sell you at all. You still think they're just the sacrificial lamb to you know whoever they get matched up against?
6: I mean, if I went undefeated, I, I don't like how you just threw out Michigan can't beat anything against them. But it's cool. Uh, but what play, I would wait, say, when,
0: when do when they play Michigan? Well, you know, they could
6: play him in the, in the title game. But and it's he's, cool. It's he's a, saying like Michigan beats Ohio
0: State and Michigan
4: cool. goes to the like, I championship. I
6: understand where Oh are no, we I'm a realist. Thank you though. But <laughs> I okay. You know, this is this is unfortunate tonight. Um all right. So what I would say is this if they can do that, like if they can push it for yeah, sure, okay. there's no way Spencer Petrus is winning anything in any playoff in anything like they wouldn't even beat Ohio State. They're they're not going to like if they played them, um, they probably would beat Michigan. But it, they're not beating Ohio State in that in the in the conference title game. And that's how it comes out. Because I just look at Spet Petris and I just cannot I could I can't. I can't. That defense also like to what you pointed out, I laughed because I should have said it too. Is the speed is so much different. Yeah, that defense is good. But the defensive speed on SEC teams is not even close to Big Ten. Like I watch a lot of Big Ten football because I like to take naps in the middle of the day. And so when you watch those games, it's slow. It's not the same as SEC. It's just not. And so when you get to that point, like Iowa and Penn State are just not going to have it. Like I- Iowa, no. I'm out. I don't I think sure they make the resume. They'll make it if they go undefeated. But I think Iowa loses at least three games before the playoffs.
0: Okay, I'm writing down a timestamp here. Hold on one second. You should. 31:58.
6: just for you. Three games they'll come into before they even think about going to the playoff.
0: All right, this is going completely off the handle. Brandon, do you have anything to add here before we move on? <laughs> um,
2: you know, much of the same. I actually think Cincinnati could beat Oklahoma. I think it would be a closer game against Georgia. I just don't think compete with Alabama and the only with Georgia because they have the questions at quarterback in the offense. So I think they could kind of stay in the game. But Alabama's offense, I just think would blow them out. And just Oklahoma's so inconsistent. I think a, you know, a fundamentally sound team like Cincinnati could, you know, hang with and Then if you get it in the fourth quarter, they, they could come out on top of that. So but, yeah, I don't think they can uh, hang with Alabama. And, you know, it might be a little closer against Georgia. I think Georgia would still beat them pretty soundly too.
4: Yeah, I mean, didn't they? I'm not remiss to remember. They almost beat Georgia last year in the bowl game, right? Mm-hmm. With a probably, I don't know, I would say better team. But Georgia pretty close to the same team. that, that had JT Daniels healthy. And I know it's quote-unquote Georgia didn't care. But, I mean, they still hung with them.
0: Not sneaking up on anybody anymore, though. I don't know. I don't know. It's an interesting discussion. Desmond,
4: Heisman Ritter was not sneaking up on anybody. Dude's legit, right, Kevin? Yeah,
6: I mean, he's a good college quarterback. He's Do a you guys very- remember No Heisman guy? Martinez?
0: Who was that quarterback, James White, or uh, uh, for Oklahoma, who won the Heisman and then didn't get drafted?
6: jason white right jason white yeah. that's
0: desmond ritter all right guys let's move on to stock watch <laughs> here
6: uh come on tell got
4: drafted in the third round last year desmond ritter can get drafted i,
0: I love driving because i get the last word on these segments. um <laughs> all right guys so as we do every week we're going to check out who kind of uh, saw an increase or decrease in in their their value their stock today in c2c formats uh because that's what we do at CampusCant.com. Uh, brandon i'll come to you first uh up or down doesn't matter. Uh, good or bad. Uh, somebody that that just saw a a major uh, shift in value uh, based on the today's performance.
2: Yeah, I mean, I think with uh, with CJ Stroud sitting out last week and then coming through and you know um, putting out some pretty big numbers against Rutgers, you know, getting uh, the wide receivers involved and everything. I you know even if he isn't exactly what everyone thought he might be coming into the season. He's still putting up, you know, those big numbers at Ohio State, and they're going to continue to have that type, of, type of talent. So, um, you know, I think it's it stuck up because he's continuing to put up those, you know, third yard games regardless of who the opponent is.
0: I, I'll, I'll ask you a quick follow-up here, Brandon, um, because we talked a little bit about this pre-show. I don't know if we, we came to a, a, an answer as we were discussing If you had the choice and you were in a C2C draft, would you rather have C.J. Stroud, who you say is still putting up some nice points there in Ohio State's offense, or DJU, who has disappointed this year and that that offense kind of looks lost as a whole?
2: That would be really close because I think obviously C.J. Stroud put up the bigger numbers in college, but I don't necessarily know how he he translates into the NFL. And, you know, the hype for DJU, those two games really has him high up there i think i would still go with cju but it is way closer than i ever thought it would be
0: yeah and not based on like some amazing performance by cj stroud either um, which is you know an interesting discussion there matt we'll come to you next here uh somebody that saw a big shift in value today for you
4: you know I was going to talk about C.J. Stroud since you know Brandon's a Michigan guy, and oh, I figured he wouldn't want to talk about an Ohio State Buckeye, and that's kind of my my, my shtick. But uh, I don't really have anybody else. That that's all really. That's, really that's really all we keep gonna...
0: Matt around for, Brandon. <laughs> and You I ruined shit. it.
4: Yeah, that's really all I got. I wanted him to uh,
2: expand his horizon, so I wanted to take.
4: I don't. It's not good for anybody. I'm just a pretty face, man. There's really not much up here between the ears. It, it doesn't help me expanding. Uh, I'll talk. uh Sam How. I think it, you know he's likely. I think, especially with the performance by Corral today. Again, not a great performance. It wasn't a horrible performance, but it wasn't great. I think How's continually going out there and looking good. And he's probably going to end up being the number one quarterback drafted in this 2022 draft. You know, I mentioned it before. I know a lot of people don't love this comparison. I think he's got a lot of Baker Mayfield in him. And I talked about the Browns, I think took Baker because he had that safe floor. I mean, everybody knew Josh Allen and Lamar Jackson had this high upside, but we didn't know if they could figure it out. I think Hal has this very safe floor that I could see a Houston Texans or a Detroit Lions taking because they know what they're getting in him. And I think if he goes out there and continues to perform like he did again today, 380 yards, three touchdowns, he's going to lock himself into that first quarterback being drafted in the twenty twenty two class. Sorry, Adam. I know I know you love Corral.
0: Yeah, I mean, Hal they had that weak first game, but the, you know, he he's rebounded very nicely there. Um, Kevin, who uh who who are you liking or hating after today?
6: Yeah, I'm gonna go negative just to stay on brand. I figured uh, you would. You're just my, guy is, you. uh, my guy is uh my guy's George Helani from Boise State. Uh he's had a terrible year. And I think people were thinking about him as a freshman, like, hey, uh, you know, he's gonna be that guy. You know, he had a thousand yards, but even then he looks slow, he didn't have that burst. Last year I kind of gave him a pass. It was a bad year all around. He only had 19 attempts, He so he's kind of injured. But this year, he's been absolutely terrible. I mean, in four games this year. And he's had 96 yards and a touchdown today against Nevada and a loss to Nevada to Carson Strong, uh, QB3. Uh, he had four attempts for 27 yards. That was it. And he just does not look explosive. And you know what? He was getting drafted pretty high in Debbie drafts two years ago, even last year in startups. I remember he was getting drafted pretty high. And I'm like, hey, that's a little high for me. I don't know if I want that. So now you're looking at a guy who probably, I mean, he's on the outside looking at him, even the draft, uh, And unless he can have a bounce back year, probably next year, right? And that that puts him at, I think he's a weird, like, he's a covid sophomore so really he's a junior whatever that is and so now we're talking about you know early declare all that kind of stuff he's not having that so i i'm worried about him i think that he's he i think we've i don't think he's really an asset anymore if we're being honest
0: it's crazy how much his stock has fallen over the past year or two he was at you know i think even this offseason a lot of times he was going in the you know the 10 to 12 yeah uh, round range and and yeah that that has been an incredible fall there for him um how here's a little bit of an obvious name and he's not particularly high profile and uh, but it's Brian Robinson jr. Yeah. You know, I think that he, we thought that, that he would seed this role, the starting role, or at least a, a large chunk of his, his share there at the backfield. He hasn't done that. In fact, he's actually done the opposite. He, he's gotten more of it here as the years gone on over, uh, you know, Debbie Darlings, Jace McClellan, Roy Dell Williams, uh, uh, amongst others who aren't even touching the field. Uh, I so last year I assumed he would come out last year. I had him graded he, like higher than Kylan Hill, and that part of that was I just wasn't very high on Kylan Hill. But I think you know he he is a a back that I think can can get drafted, make an NFL roster, and be like that backup guy that you will keep on your roster. And if you you know somebody gets hurt like a, a Gus Edwards or a Jamal Williams or somebody like that that they have standalone value, I think that can be Brian Robinson at 225. I think he has good power, a decent athletic ability. He's a natural pass catcher. He's kind of an all-around, you know, jack of all trades, master of none. Um, and like it or not, the name Alabama on your resume means something. You already passed the first test because Nick Saban liked you. That and that that if we even though we don't want to acknowledge it's there, that happened. So I think Brian Robinson is a guy that that has definitely kind of seen a bit of a bump. Uh, uh, here today Um, any other big names stand out to you guys before we go to Jarek's by the numbers segment
4: not a not a big name, but uh, a guy who's having another good game. And I think he, he likely is going to stay in college two more years. A guy that is available on a lot of free agent wires deba- debating on how you allow your free agent pickups. B.J. Baylor out of Oregon State. He's uh, having another good game today. 71 yards and a touchdown on 16 carries. Uh, Oregon State competing right now with Washington 17-17. So I went to go look at my guy Chance Nolan. He's thrown for 31 yards. So
6: i they're gonna to pivot to BJ Baylor, who's having a pretty good game.
0: He's no stakes Mc- Bennett.
6: yeah 30. <laughs> yeah. Uh Makai Polk, too. He's had a good he's had a good year. And I mean, he had 13 catches today, 126 yards, two touchdowns. And I think Polk's everything we wanted Wally to be. And so I, I you see his value popping up, and and that's legitimate in an offense that's gonna throw the shit ton out of the ball. So I mean I I'm not a numbers you. guy. I know. I'm sorry, I mean I love Wally. Wally still scored tonight. Like I think Wally I Did don't he? think
4: Leach likes Wally. Yeah, Wally scored. Oh. Yeah, touch, yeah. Um, thanks. Thanks to Austin, we drafted him in that 50, 50 teamer, and he's been absolute trash. And so I actually benched him this week, and of course now he goes out there and scores.
0: Yeah, but fuck me. He out. scored like fifteen <laughs> points every week except for one. He's not but had yeah, a bad year. No,
4: no, he's not been that good. Has he?
0: Um, he's yeah, been, he goes, yeah, for, he's he goes been like okay. sixty in a score yeah. like every week. Yeah. Is kind of like yeah. what he does. No.
6: Okay, but, I apologize. But Polk's been better. He I think that's. I think that's why we've been at. Yeah.
0: Yeah. all right before this gets too much more out of control uh let's do Jarek's by the numbers here this week he he gave us a nice segment on the wide receivers in that bama and Ole miss passing game
4: when you just don't understand the numbers it's time to dive into the classroom with a beautiful mind Jerick backus and by the numbers
5: thanks keeping in theme with today's matchup I'll be looking at which wide receivers from Alabama and Ole Miss have the best chances for NFL success based on current production. I'll start by outlining what I value the most for gauging a receiver's transition from college to the NFL. The two metrics I put the most stock in is a player's reception yards per team pass attempt and weighted dominator rating. Reception yards per team pass attempt is pretty much as it sounds. But it's a good measure of a player's production and efficiency in that offense weighted dominator rating is like your normal dominator rating in the sense that they both measure receiver's share of the receiving yards and touchdowns produced but it differs in that instead of a 50 50 weighting of the two it weights yards at 80 percent and touchdowns at 20 percent this emphasis on yards has been shown to be more predictive for nfl success I take these metrics and compare them historically to what the average college player who went on to have a top 24 NFL season earned. The difference between what the player actually earned versus what the average top 24 players earned is my over-expected metrics. Players who earn a positive reception yards per team pass attempt and weighted dominator over-expected metric end up hitting a top 24 season 80% of the time in the NFL if they see day 1 or 2 draft capital. Now, who is looking like the best prospect so far? The candidates are John Mechie, Jonathan Mingo, Jojo Earl, Jamison Williams, and Ontario Drummond. My number one is Jojo Earl of Alabama. I'm starting with Jojo Earl because if he continues his current trajectory, he could be the best of the group. He's a four-star prospect in his first year, and he's currently just under the top 24 average. This is exactly what you love to see from a freshman, and there's no one on these two teams even close to his year one production so far. How he plays this year out and shows up next year will be important. My number two is John Meche of Alabama. He's also a four-star prospect who is behind some great Alabama talent his first two years. This year is supposed to be his year to step it up, but so far he's underperforming. He's sitting at a negative .6 reception yards per team pass attempt over-expected, and a negative .13 weighted dominator over-expected, which aren't what we want to see from top prospects, but they're respectable. If Mechie can reclaim his top seat in the offense, I think he'll end up a solid prospect with round one or two capital. My number three is Jonathan Mingo of Ole Miss. This 4-star prospect had underwhelming years 1 and 2 in college, but he's really coming on strong this year. He's currently above the top 24 average for year 3 players, which is what I need to see from him to even be considered a decent prospect. If he holds on this year and declares I may end up liking him more than Mechie if Mechie continues to underwhelm. My number four is Jamison Williams of Alabama, a four-star prospect who joined Alabama just this year after playing for Ohio state, his first two years, he's really stepped it up and is currently the leader in reception yards per team pass attempt and weighted dominator for the entire team. He was well below the top 24 average his first two years and is sitting just below it this year. He'll need to take an even bigger step forward though, if he wants to be considered a legitimate prospect. My number five is Dontario Drummond of Old Miss, a two-star prospect who's in his fifth year. He's old and hasn't broken the top 24 trend lines yet, though he's close this year. I just have trouble seeing him as a legitimate NFL prospect given his age, pedigree, and lack of production until year five. Slade Bolden is someone who got some hype coming into the year, but he's a year four player who hasn't been good. I'll pass. Keep in mind, these rankings don't include freshman players who haven't produced anything yet. In the grand scheme of things, a player like Hall would be above Mingo and probably even Mechie for me. So, to recap, the wide receivers I see as having the best chance at NFL success based on production from these two teams, in order, are JoJo Earl, John Mechie, Jonathan Mingo, Jameson Williams, and Ontario Drummond. Now back to you.
0: All righty, everybody. It is everyone's favorite segment, because I say so. It is the Left Coast Check-In. I am joined here by Kevin Coleman, as per usual. Uh, Kevin is the co-host of the Debbie Royale, Debbie contributor at Fantasy Pros. Uh, He's a contributor here with us. He's on Twitter at Dubois underscore 22, amongst other things. Kevin, how are you doing tonight?
6: I'm doing well. Kids are driving me crazy, though, but they've stayed asleep, so we haven't had any run-ins in there today. So that was been good, and just enjoying some college football. So I- I've had a good night. And hanging out with my friends, right? We're friends now, I think, besides Matt. I I'll appreciate you guys.
0: Yeah, I'd say three of the four of us are. Um, <laughs> so so yeah, uh, starting off pretty good there. All right, we we, we check in these late-night games. Usually they're West Coast. We have one that, that's not so West Coast tonight, uh, just because a lot of the Pac-12 played early today. Yeah, I, I don't know what happened there. Um, let's go to Arizona state first. They're at UCLA. Uh, we've got a good game here. Um, it's still in the first half.
6: Yeah. 17, 17. So UCLA has the ball right now and you know what? Jaden Daniels looks great tonight. So you know what you and me are Jaden Daniels stands. So we have to shout him out as when we can seven for 10, 156 yards and a touchdown, Uh, And, you know, DeMonte Tranman's back, and I know you and me like him too. And so he has a touchdown at 21 yards. Uh, As far as receivers, though, nothing really great. uh, Giorgordon Porter for Arizona State, he has 47 yards there. On the flip side for UCLA, um, DTR, you know, he's thrown for 95 yards or 106 yards down a touchdown. Uh, He also has 64 yards rushing. So he's continuing that kind of C2C format like you you want him. Uh, Charbonnets at 49 yards. You know, yeah, he's been okay. Kyle Phillips, four catches, 42 yards and a touchdown. Greg Dolchitz is out of he he came back from the dead. He has three receptions, 48 yards. So that's kind of what we were hoping that we'd see all season long from him. So this is actually a massive game for both these teams, three and one and three and one, one and one conference. And and if if you win this game, you're kind of in the driver's seat a little bit. Uh, So this is a huge game for, I think, Kelly. I think he's got to win this game.
0: Yeah, that Oregon loss kind of makes everybody feel a little bit better there, uh, yeah. out there in the Pac-12. Uh, let's go um, let's go Auburn. Oh, okay, we'll go Fresno State-Hawaii here first. Felix is, uh, as he calls them, the fighting Jake Hainers, uh taking on Hawaii there. Uh, been hot the past couple weeks. Uh, not so much to start off this week, though.
6: Yeah, you know, Hawaii, I don't know if you know this, but Hawaii doesn't actually play at the stadium right now. They're playing at a high school stadium with no fans because of COVID. So this is going to be always kind of a trap game, I feel like, for the Bulldogs. So they're down 10-7, to going into the second quarter, just started. uh, And I was worried about this game. And Hayner is hurt. Like, I went to the game last week. And um, I was there and watching it in person. And you could tell every time he came off the sideline, he's grabbing his hip. He fell to the ground. So like he really needs this bye week that they're playing. They got to get through this game right now. He looks great. He has 164 yards and a touchdown. So as always, we've seen there, there's no rushing attack right now. Ronnie Rivers has seven yards rushing. Uh, and Zane Pope has a long catch. They had a 65 yard touchdown pass. That kind of got him on the board. They're driving down though. They're on the one yard line. So it looks like once this quarter is over, they're going to probably score And they'll go, or no, excuse me, under 17 now. So they'll probably score more than likely at least three uh, going into this. But this is going to be a fun game to watch. Hawaii is dangerous, and you got to be careful, especially in that environment where they're at. Um, Cordero's not playing. It's uh, Braden Shager. I think that's how you say his name. He hasn't done much. Uh, Calvin Turner does have a touchdown. And so, but nothing nothing pops off for the stats for Hawaii.
0: Yeah, it's got to be a weird experience to go to Hawaii and play in an empty high school stadium. Um, not saying I would turn down the opportunity uh, if anyone wants to call me and send me there to play I will do that um, <laughs> last game here that we're going to talk about uh, Auburn LSU uh, like we said not West Coast but a, a big game regardless here uh, the fourth quarter just kicked off uh, we've got LSU is just uh, is up 1917 any any noteworthy performances here.
6: Our boy Bo Nix is having a good game. You know, 20 for 34, 232 yards, a touchdown. He also has 58 yards rushing and a touchdown. Uh, he looks good. Um, John Shammel, uh, Samuel Shinker, he has five catches, 102 yards for Auburn, uh, Demetri Robertson as well. Uh, and I think that's a kind of a big, uh, for uh, for me personally, I thought some other guys in that Auburn receiving quarter were going to pop out this year, and they just haven't. So I think that's the kind of storyline to watch there. On the flip side, uh, Keyshawn Butte is good. Uh, I don't know if anybody knows that. Six catches, 127 yards, and a touchdown. And then you know we have we had some other guys that it thought in that receiver background for the receiver room for LSU, but really Jack Beck has five catches, six yards, and after that is really nothing. Uh Jenkins, two catches, Brian Thomas, two catches. So you see that rushing again. Something's wrong with the LSU rushing attack. You know, Tyron Davis Price he has 14 yards. That's it. good Goodwin, four yards. Corey Kiner, 22 yards. Like, they're not really getting that that rushing attack that they need. Max Johnson looks great, 275 yards and a touchdown. Uh, but it'll be interesting down the stretch here to see, you know, who's going to win this game. This is a massive game for Coach O. I think he's got to win this game against Auburn. Auburn's ranked, but they're not really. They shouldn't be ranked. I don't know why they're ranked.
0: What? Well, Real quickly, Kevin, what do you think of Max Johnson as a pro prospect? I've seen a little bit of chatter about him on Twitter today. Uh, he's been pretty decent this year. Do you have some some decent hopes from him? His dad, you know, Brad Johnson, for those who don't know, Super Bowl winning quarterback uh, with the Tampa Bay Buccaneers.
6: You know, it's funny because, like, before, I think I had him as my third-ranked quarterback going into the season, and that's probably where I have him right now, to be honest, like kind of in that mid-range. But with DJU struggling these other guys, maybe CJ Stroud struggling, we could be talking about Max Johnson maybe just popping up because of the class. Uh, I like him. I do. I worry about that arm though. Like he, he makes the right reads and he, and he does tend to, and he can, he can fit it in. Sometimes his accuracy is kind of there. The arm strength for me is the big one. Like, does he have that zip to get it to the, to the outside numbers? Sometimes it flails. And then you saw like that one throw he had against UCLA, where he threw it like behind him. Like he does have those kind of mistakes that he has. So, for me, I like Max, uh, but he's got to develop a little bit more. He has a size and he has that he's that game manager type guy. I think he's gonna get drafted just by the NFL pedigree, but you know, we'll see.
0: Sure. And uh just one other note here, guys, Tank Bigsby, you know, we didn't mention him at all. He is playing not a big night, though, seven carries for twenty three yards up to this yeah. point and one catch for six yards. I-, I don't know um what's going on there, but um he-, he is disappointed if you started him across any of your fantasy leagues this week. All right, Kev, thank you uh, for joining right. in here with us. Um, we've got one last segment here, guys, so let's bring everybody in if if they don't mind. Hello, everybody. See you again. Um, so week five in the books here, You know the, the last couple of games here to finish up. Um, next week's slate, not as good as this week's. So it would have been hard to top it, but there's still some really nice games. Um, Matt, anything in particular that you're really looking forward to next week?
4: I mean, can we really say it wasn't? It's not going to be as good as slate. All the good games we thought were going to be good kind of sucked. So I think next week's games could be could you be just better. Hate but football. you just hate football. I do. I hate everything in general. You know, I hate Kevin. I hate football. <laughs> really, realistically, I hate most of you guys. You know, I, I, I don't really like anything. Um, <clears throat> the Red River Rivalry, obviously, I think is going to be a big. Uh, Big game. Oklahoma's looked vulnerable. I actually posted it on Twitter today. I think that's the game Oklahoma loses. They've come very close the past couple weeks. Texas's offense has looked really good, and I, I, even though Moxley gave a lot of reasons statistically why that defense is not as good as I think it is, I think Texas has a pretty good defense. I think they can shut down Oklahoma for the most part next week and, and end up winning that game. Obviously, Actually, I think that's it. I don't think Alabama, Texas A and M is going to be that good now. With with um, uh, Chris Moxley's QB one, Zach Calzada out there, you know, Ohio State, Maryland. I think lost a lot of luster with as bad as Maryland looked Friday night. So, shit, maybe you're right. There really isn't a lot of good games next week. I apologize.
0: Started off you did a whole the whole thing there. Of the roller coaster.
4: I was coming, then? <laughs> I realized you know maybe maybe I was wrong. <laughs> <laughs>
0: Uh, I refuse to call it the Red River Rivalry. Is the Red River Shootout? I, I'm the resident grump. I'm calling it the Shootout. Um, it, it, any other? I mean, the Arkansas Ole Miss is that game? I, both teams coming off a loss now. A yeah, a second kinda, loss eliminates you for sure, right?
2: Yeah, I'm kind of interested in that just because I think there's a couple storylines with uh, Ole Miss. You know, if they play a good defense in Arkansas, you know, will corral. And be able to, you know, kind of perform against a good defense. And then you say Ole Miss's defense has gotten better um, and see if they are able to do anything against Arkansas's offense. It's not very, you know, potent or anything. So maybe answer a couple questions. Um, but yeah, I guess that's a nut, you know, maybe the second best game on the slate. Um, but yeah, that'll be interesting how both teams respond at least.
0: And Kevin, you're going to tune in for Penn State, Iowa, right? You've been hyping that matchup all I, football I was going to
6: talk about it. Like, I do think I'm going to watch it because I do like Big Ten football. Like, even though I make fun of it, I do like it. So, I, I will say, like, someone put it as the most boring 4-5 matchup in the history of college football. I don't know who wrote that. I thought that was pretty funny. Uh, but it is. It's going to be. Like, I, I do think – I don't even know. Like, who's better, Clifford or Petrus? Because I, <laughs> I don't know the answer to that question, to be honest with you. Like, I do hey, think hey, that – yeah, so I do think Goodson gonna be there. I think that'd be a good game person there. But I mean, come on, Iowa's leading receiver is Laporta, like which is fine. I like Laporta, like he's a good tight end. But if that's your best receiver, like this is gonna be the most boring ass game. But hey, whatever. I'm gonna I watch it, and we'll be there. I think that'd be fine. I actually think Maryland. Hey, you know what? They didn't look good this last week. I know they didn't. Okay, but Iowa State. I- the Iowa State defense is not as good as Iowa's defense. I know that. So, I, and I just hope they lose. I hope Iowa, Ohio State loses. So every week I watch, and I hate watch, and I hope that Ohio State loses.
0: What what tastes better, bleach or cyanide? I think that's kind of the question when you're talking about who's better, Spencer Petras or Sean Clifford. Um, I don't want to taste either. Uh, yeah, I, I'm excited for that game as well. I, I think it'll be an interesting one. Um, I don't know what the what the line's going to be on on this Alabama game. What do you predict it is to start off? Twenty one. 24. I mean, they're, they're going to crush A&M, but.
6: Oh, I'm sure it's like, eight, I, yeah, probably twenty one, eighteen and a half, twenty one 18 and a half, 21. No, it's it's got to be
4: over that. I mean, they gave what today? Oh, miss. They got 14 and a half. So it's yeah. got to be at least
6: 20 something. I would think at least. Who knew Haynes King matter that much guys? Who knew Haynes King? Mattered that <laughs> much? And I don't even think Haynes King's that good, but you know,
0: he, he is the glue holding the Texas A&M Aggies together. Um, Hey, not great um all right guys i think anybody have any other comments uh before we get out of here uh, for the night guys on next week's slate i don't those are kind of the uh, houston Tulane. anybody anybody i mean
4: nah michael pratt's been playing like crap after that great game against oklahoma it's a little disappointing
2: might be high scoring that would be the only that would be the only thing you know alton
0: but mccaskill not Anybody? Much. anybody
4: yeah, someone played Ultimate caskill in this room today. They're winning pretty good too. I think, like up a hundred points on somebody. <laughs> I don't know who. Just you know, just throwing that out there. All right, yeah, that's I gonna would, do it for I tonight, guys. Have
6: <laughs> 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 I wouldn't have drafted Ultimate Kaskel or whatever. I forgot how to say his last name. I'm getting <laughs> tired, and I don't know what time it
0: is. All right, and on that that's note, late. guys, let, let's get out of here. Uh, thank you guys for tuning in here to Coast to Coast. Uh, be sure to check in next week for the tailgate. 10 a.m. We get you started on your day, and this is the, obviously the the bookend on the other side. Uh, from Matt Bruning, from Brandon Hay, from Kevin Coleman, I'm Austin Nace. Uh, have a good week, guys.
4: Go luck, guys.